the story of my life. No respect. That ain't got no respect at all. The story of my life. No respect. That ain't got no respect at all. They couldn't score and fell flat. And the 40 shots on goal was 40 shots on goal was a little deceiving. Yeah. And even though they had some really good opportunities, surprisingly, they need to play with that intensity. If those last three, four minutes, the Rangers sometimes don't play at their best level against lower-tier teams. Here's Johnny! Nope, this is Ranger Proud, the Ring Podcast with Ranger Proud, here on the Bleed Blue Show. What's going on? The Ring Podcast with Ranger Proud. RP, welcome back. How you doing, sir? How's everything, man? Things are slowing down now. It's been a, a very hectic month. Unlike the New York Rangers, I've been running around crazy. So I uh, missed some time speaking with you guys, but I'm glad to be back. All right. It's good to have you back. Uh, we'll talk about the new head coach and get all. And I actually have questions for all you guys. We might as well rename this episode um, uh, Three Mets and, the, and Two Yankees because Carl's with us, Scott's with us, Glenn's with us. Uh, Carl, we're outnumbered by Mets fans on this show. You know, Subway Series kind of plug, you know, for the Yankees-Mets. But, you know, shout out to those guys. And, um, RP, let's chop it up. Uh, look forward to the, the conversation. Let's get everybody on. Uh, Scott, say hello to the people. How you doing, man? How's everything? Hey, good evening, gentlemen. How is everyone? All right. Stay Very right good. there. Shout out to Scott. Uh, let's get Carl on. Carl, say hello to the people, man. How you doing, man? Good evening, gentlemen. Is this the last show for the season? I think we, it might be, right? No. Let me look at the calendar. No, I think we got two more. We got NHL draft next week. Well, NHL draft the week after that. Well, no, we got two more. No, this, the 20th and the 27th. We got two more episodes. We got two more um, weeks okay. after that. Okay. And then um, we'll, we'll be off for the fourth. Uh, then be back right. after that. As a matter of fact, speaking, I'm glad you said that because af- actually starting next week, um, next Tuesday, 45-45 um, format, meaning uh, 45 minutes uh, is going to be all blue shirts talk for the first 45 minutes. The rest of 45 minutes is going to be the rest of the NHL. So I'm glad you brought that up. And that's going to be the format for all the shows, uh, all the platforms. So shout out to uh, you bringing that up or me reminded uh, that coming up on that. And, Glenn, what's up, man? How you doing? And how you doing, sir? I'm doing good. Hello to all uh, you guys out there and everybody listening. Uh, I guess we can thank uh, Chris Drury for uh, signing a, a coach today to give us something to talk about besides the uh, Stanley Cup Finals. Good timing for on his part. Right on. So let's go to RP and let him lead the conversation because RP, I'm kind of neutral about the the hiring because I know a lot. He's been there coaching for 20 plus years, and I'm not excited as I, I think a lot of Rangers fans would. I think he's the best coach available, but there's something that I'm missing with the front office. Maybe you can help connect the dots. What happened with range with the Rangers with the law versus why they went with uh, Lafayette? And then uh, give me your thoughts on the hiring and how you saw it, how you've seen things being reported, because you have more of an insight on that. Uh, that's kind of my question, and I, I saw the rubbish by uh, by Dolan and his 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 reaction to the signing. But your thoughts, RP, and lead the conversation, and we'll go down the line. Uh, I, I, educate me on you know, how we got to this point. I wish I could educate you how we get to this point. I think the Rangers were waiting to see what some other teams were doing, all other Pittsburgh Penguins and Mike Sullivan. Um, 
you know, a lot of all the other teams announced their hirings prior. Uh, I don't know if there was a power struggle between, let's say, Dolan, Sather, and Drury. Uh, rumors were once John Hines became available and Drury played with them at all, that I, he was leaning that way. Uh, I read that they gave Hines a second interview. I don't know if that was true or not. I believe Bobby Allett had a second two interviews in the process. Um, it was the right move if you were looking to hire the best coach out there that was available now. Um, a lot of Ranger fans and uh, Vince McCogliano, the Rangers beat writer, said the same thing on a, on a show earlier today. A lot of fans were looking for new blood. Uh, people did not dislike the David Quinn era as much as other people want fans to believe. I, I don't – my personal belief is I'm tired of seeing the same coaches just circulate around and around and around, and they just go from one team to another to another and to another. And I'm not including Cassidy at the Knights because he got moved by Boston. So I, I don't count him in that in that category. But, you know, Laviolette has coached the Hurricanes, the Islanders, the Flyers, the Capitals, all Metro teams, and, and throw the Predators in there. Yes, he's been to the finals three times, but he won his only Stanley Cup 17 years ago. So I don't know how right, much right. that carries over to this team. You know, so I wasn't thrilled with it. You guys know I really wanted Knobloch. I think if there was ever a time to promote from your minor league, it's with a coach that's been up a couple of times over the last two years because of COVID and various reasons has the respect of the players, and it would have been a prime opportunity to get a guy that's in the system, even though Gallant didn't have a system, right, but in, in the Rangers organization and brought him up. But now we have to wait and see again. And like Carl was saying a couple of weeks ago, whoever they hired, you're in the pressure cooker. They, they want you to win now, this year, this season, Stanley Cup a bust. It's a tough way to go. Okay, you could definitely lead the conversation. I think Scott's next after you, and then, um, then I think Carl and Glenn. Scott, do we like Laviolette? Scott, straight up, yes or I, no? Yeah, I love Laviolette. Um, this is this is the hire I wanted. Um, <clears throat> again, I didn't. <clears throat> excuse me. I didn't think that Gallant should have gotten canned, but he did. You know, it's a moot point. Moving on. So I agree with you when you said that uh, he's the best out there. <clears throat> And I'm kind of wary about uh, promoting uh, uh, an AHL coach. I know Knobloch has had some great success there uh, that you keep hearing the words that knows how to develop the youth, the young talent, et cetera, et cetera. I think Laviolette will be fine with that. I mean, he had a relatively young team with Carolina as well, with the exception of Ron Francis and the, uh, the, the deadline guys, they got recce and wait, but um, you know, Eric Stahl was brand new. Um, Eric Cole, I think, was was real young at the time as well. Not to mention, mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, what they got out of, I believe, uh, Cam Ward was, like, was 21 at the time, I think. So, yeah, I, I like this guy. Three finals, three different teams. Definitely overachieved with that Pittsburgh team. And I think that Nashville team... Um, I don't remember what the West looked like that year as well, but um, in any case, yeah, I think we needed. You know, I, I was referring to him as uh, as like a Tortorella Junior. Uh, I think we need that. Um, you know, we've had, you, you know, Gallant was 
seemed like he could be stern, but, but he was known as a player's coach. And, you know, this is a team that didn't show up for, for games five and seven. Um, you know, not, not to mention three and well, three and four. I mean, you know, take your pick. Pretty much everything except game six. Um, everything except games six and three. We'll give them the game three, the OT game. But um, you know, this is a team that just completely quit in games five and seven. And you know, we we've had the debate about how much is on the coach or not on the coach. But um, in any case, I think they need a little bit of that drill sergeant uh, to them. You know, not as extreme as Tortorella. I certainly did not want him back. But um, I think they need uh, kind of a hard ass in there to, uh, you know, get these guys into shape. Um, you know, your, your high-priced guys, Panarin, I can guarantee you that, uh, you know, <laughs> Panarin is not going to go an entire playoffs playing like that, uh, you know, his last couple playoffs. I think it, it will be nipped in the butt early. Um, and, yes, I, I'm, I'm really excited about this. As far as, far as uh, you know, going with an AHL guy or whatnot, David Quinn is, is the – I mean, I know that was college. That wasn't even pros. But David Quinn is the only right. one since Tom Rennie who gets a pass in, in, in my mind because he that, that was full-blown rebuild. He had half a team to work with. That was basically seeing if the guy could coach. You know, he wasn't expected mm-hmm. to do much. So I give him a pass. But needless to say, whatever the outcome, it, it just didn't work. Um, so, yeah, are we recycling coaches? I mean, that's that's you know that's the name of the game. That's 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 what happened. So I'm I'm fine with this guy. I didn't I, I didn't really want to experiment because they are in a win now mode, providing we don't you know have a completely terrible uh, free agency. Uh, there's no reason why we can't put a contender back together for next year, and we are in a win now mode. And for that, I, I you know I'd rather go with an experienced uh, coach who knows how to win, who knows how to get you to that to that level, uh, get to the finals, win it all he's done it so um you know i i'm fine with that um i'm, I'm really excited about this this, this hire again I, I would have given it a lot of third year but again mood point so right like like you said he's definitely the best option of what's available and i, I did not want to uh give a guy his first nhl coaching experience not with a team that's supposed to win it in the next year or, t- or so mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. i get a call call to, to bounce off what scott just said can Laviolette bring Panarin, bring Zimbanejad in, in the early rounds to that next level, or is it a coach who's not really able to to push that button? Is is a playoff player a playoff player? I think a player on its on his own is just what he is, independent of the coaching. I don't think that. The coach can make these players any different than what they are now. Panarin's been in the league, league now how many years? Eight years? Nine years? I, someone could check that. Mm-hmm. And Zibanej is, I think, pushing the 10-year mark, I think, coming up this season. You know, those, <laughs> they've played enough games. They know what it takes. And if they don't know by now, they're likely never going to know it. And so really all we're doing is just, you know, go, as I mentioned a couple weeks ago, just sort of just closing your eyes and just, you know, digging your hand into the, the magical coaching bag or coaching hat and just pulling a name out and just hoping it works under the guise that Whoa. this coach will, will change the mentality of the veteran players you have. It'd be one thing if Peter was taking over a team that had, let's just say out of the, out of the roster that existed, let's just say if, let's say if 60 to 70% of the roster were guys that were in their second, third, fourth, and fifth years that were just maturing. 
I can then justify the situation. But you've got about a good six, seven, eight guys here that have been in the league seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven years now where it is what it is. And all we're doing is just, you know, hoping for the moon and settling for the stars or something along those lines. Like, you know, to ask him, as you mentioned, RP, the fact that he is being tasked with basically saying win the cup or else is a very hard position to start from. It it just is because going in the next season, is it? Is it inconceivable to say that the Rangers start out the season as the third best team in their own division? Uh, that, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to talk that, around it, and I'm having a very difficult time coming to another conclusion. You know, whether it's the, you know, and I know the Rangers have been in this mode of you, you can't take the chance on on quote unquote inexperienced guys. The last coach. That came from the AHL. If I'm if I'm look if I look at my data correctly, and I may be wrong about this, I believe John Cooper was the last guy. He was coaching at Syracuse, and took over a Tampa yeah. team that two years before that was in Game Seven of the Eastern Conference Finals. They 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 had two years where was, uh, whatever happened, I don't know. And then he came in there. The next year they got to the second round. The next year they got to the Cup Final, and they had this you know almost 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 which if he was coaching the Rangers in that same situation would have happened where they just missed and just missed the candidates, he probably would have been the Tampa stuck right. the horse and it all worked out. And unfortunately, and this kind of speaks to a larger, um, I, I, I don't want to say a New York thing because this happens in a couple of other sports with a couple of specific teams. We're not allowed to have the time to develop. And there is something to that. You just, for those that don't watch basketball, the team that just won the championship last year, the coach has been on that team now for 10 years. And they've been, re- they've wow. been building to what they did last night for eight years. And if right. they were the Knicks, that, that thing would have been shut down after about four years and guys moved out and guys let go and, and, and changes me because of the idea of you have to win right, right now. And that doesn't always work that way, unfortunately. You know, this is this is sports. This is the professional sports. You know, things happen. Things, you know, you, the roster and all this kind of stuff. And I'm fearing that, you know, we're just kind of just just hoping for the best. And, you know, it will be disappointing. Yeah. I mean, I guess we could set ourselves up early. But, like, I'm, I'm, the like end game of this doesn't seem to – doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. Right. And and to to, to rebound off that, uh, Glenn, you and I are the, the old guys over here, and we've seen a lot of coaching changes, player changes. Um, I, I guess it's, I guess we could agree that it's not fair to say Laviolette has to win it now. But from a fan standpoint, we've gone through five, six years of rebuild and getting the players on paper that are set to go, can Laviolette do it this year or maybe in two years? Or are the Rangers just going to keep shuffling coaches out every two or three years? Well, I mean, I think, you know, with the way this team is constructed, this was the 
you know, the, the safest and probably best move that Drury could have made. Um, you know, I'll, I'll echo what some of the other guys have said. This is a tough spot where this team is to, you know, bring in a guy that doesn't have uh, uh, any NHL experience. Um, you know, it's okay for the teams like Columbus and Anaheim and uh, uh, even Calgary to bring in guys that uh, don't have experience and let them kind of grow with the team. But that's not where this Ranger team is. Uh, you had a, a, a run to the conference final last year. You had very high expectations this year. Uh, I think that, that would be a lot of pressure to put on an inexperienced an coach. Uh, especially in New York. So, um, as I said at the end last week, uh, the fleeting interest in John Hines made me feel better today about uh, LaViolette being hired. Um, and, you know, I mean, obviously he's been to the uh, the finals three times. Um, I looked at it, he's won 753 games in his NHL career in 21 years. That comes out to about 35 wins a year. So, Yes, he is, you know, one of the or, or the top uh, American-born coach and wins and all, but like we say a lot when they consider people for the Hall of Fame in baseball, he's a compiler. Um, he's got a lot of wins, but he's been around for a long time. And uh, uh, he was good enough or lucky enough to get three teams to the Stanley Cup Finals. So, obviously, he's proven he can do it. Um he's more of a structure, more of a system coach than Gallant was. However, I'm not sure what this team, the the veterans on this team are looking for. Um, You know, I I agree with Scott. I I thought that uh, David Quinn at the time for what he did here, uh, he did basically what he was supposed to do. Um, I don't know that he would have took them to the next level, but I thought he did what he had to do while he was here. Um, but you've got veterans that were not happy with him because of his micromanagement. And now you've got a lot of the same veterans that were not happy with Gallant telling them to just go out there, boys, and play. You know what to do. Um, so they didn't like that either. So I'm not sure what the, these veterans are looking for. I think they want more structure, a little bit more of a, a, a coach that will uh, – you know, be after them and, and uh, make them uh, responsible for how they play. Um, but it's it's going to be interesting to see how they react because this is still, even though we've got a lot of young guys, um, you know, I consider guys like Lindgren and Fox and, and uh, some of those guys to be kind of young veterans now. Um, I still kind of think the kids are the kids, talking about Costco and Lafreniere and, Heedle to a degree, uh, Schneider, obviously, um, because I think they're still kind of finding their way. Uh, but this team is still going to be driven a lot by what the veterans do. Uh, so I think that this was the, uh, the safe pick. Uh, to answer your question, RP, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, he can get them to the, uh, to the finals, uh, you know, this year or next year. But um, I think there is the pressure to do that. I think there's the pressure from management. I think there's the expectations of the fans. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think it's uh, uh, a lot of pressure, but I think he's been around long enough that he can handle it and he can do the job. Steve, I have, I've been yes, waiting sir. to ask you this question. Mm-hmm. 
can Laviolette, does the hiring of Laviolette hinder or help Kako, Lafreniere, Heedle, K. Andre Miller? Because I was yes. doing a lot of things today, and they were, you know how Rangers Twitter is. They were all over the place with, oh, Kako's going to get hurt by this. It's not going to help Lafreniere. And I'm like, they're not kids anymore. You know, they're in the league a couple of years now. So what do you, will he make them better? I think so. so. My answer is yes. I actually have a lot of questions about, not necessarily the hiring, because the guys are spot on as far as the uh, available, the best available coach. It's about reaching the veterans, the uh, the Panarins, especially Panarin, Criders, the at big spots. That's what I have the question about. What did Drury, upper management, you know, why, you know, what what was the conversations like? to reach the veterans. Mm-hmm. To answer your question, I think the young kids, I think the kids are going to get better. Um, under uh, what to me, it seems like a lateral move from Gallant uh, to La Violette. So I don't, I don't think I have an issue with the youth. I think I have more issue with the, uh, the veterans stepping up in the playoffs. Because if mm-hmm. that happens, I think we get more of a deeper run. So I'm with, with all you guys on what you said. Um, I don't know. That's why I'm asking the question to you, RP. If you could, how do you think it's going to reach the veterans, and what was that conversation like? Because I don't get any transparency from Rangers management to the public on the whys they did what they did. Right. You know, it took like five weeks I, for this hiring, and that's kind of where I stand on this episode. You know, okay, I see the hiring. Okay, best available. Okay, but I mean. A lot of us are veteran sports fans. Like, this doesn't really ask. Okay, he won, like you said, RP, he, he won a Stanley Cup back in, like, 05, 06 with the Canes, got to a finals with mm-hmm. the Flyers, lost to the Blackhawks, got to the finals with Nashville, lost to um, Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, he, he, he's, he's shown like he's got that extra step that Gallant did not have. But, I mean, yes. like Glenn, Glenn said it perfect. He compiles a lot of wins, but that's kind of like we were already in that position. Like, like it doesn't seem like this is like okay, this is a, a, a an angle where it's going to really reach the club, and to reach the club, to me, you got to reach the veterans. So that's my question to you, if if you can if mm-hmm. you can answer it, or from a Rangers management perspective, I, the the plan. I I think from from when they fired Gallant on May six, I think Drury was going to go slow. I don't think he wanted to be that guy that jumped right into even though Laviolette was available right away. I think he wanted to show in the beginning that he had a game plan to hire a coach. He was going to be a little patient with it. He didn't want to see what other teams were doing. There was a lot of rumors about Sullivan not wanting to be in the Penguins anymore, and that was a possibility as they were leaning towards. But then as time went on, and then some teams named some coaches, and then Hines became available, that became a little a little stickier of a situation because I truly believe in, and I don't have much insight into it, just from what I've read and, and what I've heard, you know, on, on, on social media platforms, Drury was really leaning towards Hines. Now, granted, he didn't, he hadn't really won a lot. He didn't have a great run in uh, Nashville. And I think the pressure of having, if it was just between Hines and LaViolette, I think, the higher-ups in the garden wanted the more experienced coach. Um, I'm hoping that it's not in their mind you have to win the season. I would really like to see the Rangers carry a guy five, six, seven, eight years behind the bench. I, I think 
because we're in New York, that, that pressure to win now is overwhelming, especially after the rebuild, especially after the note, you know, the letter to the fans. Now they're like, well, this is that time. But it, is it that time? Look at the Stanley Cup Finals. Does anyone here think the Rangers could battle the Golden Knights the way they're playing right now? They are no. playing on another level. And I tell you what, and it's not taking anything away from the Panthers. The Panthers did what we were talking about all season, get hot at the right time. They busted their ass. They just made it into the playoffs. And we always say once you get in, anything can happen. And there goes Florida knocking off Boston. We're winning, what is it, eight overtime games in, in the playoffs. I mean, these two teams are where the Rangers want to be, and fans could admit that or not. And I think watching these playoff games, the upper management was like, we need to go with the veteran coach who they believe can, I don't know, I don't want to say change the way the veterans play, but get maybe more out of them. And I don't know if that's possible. You know, I'm looking at Aaron's playoff numbers. I said it before, guys. He reminds me of Mike Gartner, a great, great regular season player and a crappy playoff player. Those fancy passes and and dipsy dues around and all of that and cross lights passes, it doesn't work in the playoffs. The defense is a hundred times better once that's done the cup playoff game start. And I don't know if you can change that. I give the bounty out a little bit of a pass because though he wasn't producing, he was getting opportunities and he was playing fairly well. And last year in the playoffs, the extra four or five games, he really was able to turn it on. But, you know, we're always talking about Panarin because he's our top offensive guy. He was the guy we were looking to get for years that was going to change the dynamic offensively for the team. And it worked in the regular season, but it hasn't worked in the playoffs. So I'm thinking David and, and Dolan think LaViolette can get him to push the right buttons in the playoffs. Now we're going to have to wait till we get there to see if that's going to happen or not, obviously. But this talk of of making the veterans play better and, and the kids, this team is at a different spot than it was two years ago. There aren't many rookies on this club. These are the guys that have been in two playoff rounds already. You know, Kako, Lafreniere, Miller, Fox, they've had that experience. They've gone through an Eastern Conference mm-hmm. final. Um, they, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter who you have behind the bench, your players need to execute. Now, I would hope that a coach like LaViolette will be a little bit smarter in changing lines up when it deems necessary. I'm not saying all the time, but we all spoke in the first round of the playoffs, all four of us, five of us, how Gallant didn't make any significant changes in his lineup, in his line combinations, in his route. So where Lindy Ruff was changing, even after wins, he was changing things up. He was adapting to what was in front of him, and that's what you need in the playoffs. So I'm thinking that's the, that Laviolette had that experience way more than Hines and Knobloch, and, and it took a little bit of convincing to get Drury on board. That's how I see it. Um, excuse me. So, Carl, if we're going to talk about the playoffs, do you think the Rangers lineup is playoff caliber to go deep? I guess that's a good question to ask. I think there is, I think there is an imbalance um, when you look at the team, the way it's sort of configured, you know, you, if, if you watch Vegas and they probably win it tonight here, they have no player on the team score more than 66 points. 
Think about that for a second. So there is wow. not one, really one player on the team that you can key on and say, well, this, team, this player needs to produce for Vegas to win because they have right. a bunch of guys. So like we, mm-hmm. it seems like in, in the Rangers' sphere, it seems like it's, it's come, it's come, we've sort of made this sort of conclusion where we've sort of come down Panarin, 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 Panarin. Well, maybe that's, maybe that's our fault for probably misevaluating him. And maybe if the team wasn't overly reliant on one person's success and had a, a well-rounded roster, we would not be in this position where we're sort of, you know, you know, sort of picking out guys as whipping boys. And you sort of look at Vegas. We talked about the RP when you were gone. We were talking. We were talking about this for the last couple of weeks. You know, Vegas is such a team, and a couple of these other teams as we've watched now the last couple of years now. We've been tra- I've been tracking this for for a number of years. You know, they're going to be another, they're going to be another one of these teams that basically has one of these sort of well balanced rosters without the the sort of outsized um, you know great goaltender that's going to win the cup again. And so when you look at money allocation, how you're developing your roster, you know, what exactly do the Rangers want? Do they want to put on a show to sell tickets at the Garden, which might be part of of this? Or are they trying to construct a roster that is, is balanced well in all facets that can then take their chances in the postseason win? Because, no matter as as we saw, see with Boston, we saw with some other teams. Even if you even if you do all of that, you are still subject to the unfortunate mercy of, of of a postseason series where you could go down in seven games to a lesser opponent. But you have to then, as you're building and constructing the roster in the offseason, you have to ask yourself: Are we do have we built the right roster for what we need to accomplish? not only for the 82, but for potentially the 16 in April, May, and June. And I think there is some imbalance in what the Rangers want to do, have done, and now need to do going forward. I, I, I agree with that. Now, now, Including now Scott, I'm going to have a, I'm gonna have a little fun with you, Scott. Looking at the Rangers' cap space, which is limited, do you think they need to trade a Lafreniere, uh, a Kako, is is their time running thin? Are they being too impatient with them? How do we free up some space on on this miserable cap space they have to do the balancing that Carl was just talking about? Yeah, the cap space, yeah, that that that's you're the expert on that. That, that that's your department, but um, ah. I, I don't know because I mean Lafreniere, I'm on I'm on the fence with, and and that's one of the complaints. You know, when people were talking about the coaches, uh, well, we need a coach who can develop a talent, and that wasn't Gallant. And you know what? I, I don't buy that. I mean, you know, look at this year. I mean, you know, or la- you know, dating back to last year when the kid line emerged. So so this year he did try to break them up. He tried to put Kako on the first line when when Kraftsoff got out uh, got hurt early early on. 
Lafreniere got second line, um, you know, time. And I think somebody on this show had said it, um, and I don't remember who, it was a while ago, but had said with regards to Lafreniere and said, you know what, if, if Lafreniere deserved to be on the top six, he would have let Gallant know, he, he would have forced Gallant to keep him there. I think that, that was that was what yes. somebody said, I don't remember who, and he didn't. And yes, I know he's only 21, but he's been here three full seasons. And I'm not saying he's a bust, but he's nothing special. And, you know, and Steve, you and I have been on the same page on that uh, argument. We, you know, I'm getting into it with a lot of people on Facebook. Like, what do people think he's just going to – you know, it's, I don't need the numbers. I, I don't need him to be putting up, you know, 70, 80, 90 points by now. But, you know, when you have a guy who's a legit superstar, they show that. You know, by the way they play, you could tell, like, oh, yeah, it's going to come for him. It's going to come for him. And Lafreniere is just not showing anything that is, um, you know, beyond, you know, slightly above average. And I don't mean to turn mm-hmm. it into a, to a, you know, Lafreniere bashing here. But, um, you know, so, yeah, the answer to your question is, yeah, if, if you could now, – now, you know, he's probably got a bridge deal coming up, which is going to be very cheap. I get that. And that might be a way to go. Maybe he get, you know, give him one more year to see if he's going to be anything special. Because if you do trade him, you know, what are you going to trade him for? Like, like we're not looking for, you know, like a ton of first and second round picks because we, I mean, you know, those are always nice, of course, but we, but we are looking for, you know, you know, to put the roster back together to, to fill those, what, three or four holes that we have, um, you know, to, to, to go back to, to contender status. And, you, you know, we're just going to trade for, for a veteran with, with a higher cap hit. So I don't know. Uh, you know what the cap is going to look like. Uh, you know, here's an unpopular opinion that that I'm probably alone on. Um, <laughs> when Patrick Kane comes back, if we can get him for three million or less, I think that's a no-brainer because you know we're obviously going to lose Tyrus Angle. There's no way we're paying ten million there. You know, we still need. You know, we're going to need two more top uh, top right wingers. You know, Ottman I would assume is finally going to make the team, but he's a left wing, and I you know I hate when guys. Uh, you know, don't play their natural position, get moved because they have to. And, you know, I don't really want to see this guy in his first year get moved to the opposite wing if that's not his natural wing. Uh, so we're still hurting for right wings. And, you know, I, anything we fill in the blanks with is just going to be more of a cap hit. So I don't know. <laughs> I guess this is the short answer to, to that question. Like, I don't know what's going on with the cap. Um you know, again, Lafreniere is not going to make any money. Um, and, and there's a guy that, uh, you know, if you do trade him while he's got some, some you know, a lot of upside value, it, it's going to be for somebody who's going to have a bigger cap hit. You know, same with like a Keontre Miller, I think. So I don't know if trading those guys is the way to go when hopefully we can get them on a bridge deal, um, you know, to stay under the cap. Uh I, I think, finally, you know, again, that's salary cap is not my uh, not my area of expertise. So, uh, with the limited uh, knowledge I have about how those things work, uh, my answer, I guess, would be to not trade those guys because it's a, you know the replacement in addition to maybe a draft pick is probably going to be somebody more expensive. Okay, I I, I get that. I was the same the same feeling on 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 both of those. Um, it's it's their, their cap is just a nightmare because anybody you want to move that's making substantial salary has a 
no-move clause or a, a modified no-move clause. You know, Panarin, Zibanejad, Kreider, uh, Trocek, uh, even Barkley Goodrow, who's going to be making $3.6 million this year as more or less a third or fourth-line player, he's got a modified no-trade clause. Their uh, restricted free agents are Lafreniere and K. Andre Miller, and I would think you got to go after Miller first, in my opinion. But, Glenn, out of all these players, let's do this, Glenn. Patrick Kane, Tyler Mott, Tarasenko are unrestricted free agents. And remember, Kane will be out at least six months after the hit scraping, whatever they want to call it, after his hip surgery, let's say. Who are you going to go after to keep and who are you going to let go? Well, uh, so, uh, with Kane, I agree with Scott. If they can get him on a on a low-value uh, deal, um, then, you know, that is uh, a help on the right wing. Um, there's a lot of talk about moving Goudreau because of his salary, um, but to me, uh, in the playoffs, that's the kind of guy that you're looking for. So, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, you can move the salary and maybe find the same type of guy for, for less money um, if they can do that. But basically, in, in that case, it, it would just be, you know, trying to create some cap space because you need – those are the guys we need more of, to me, uh, that that's what this team needs. Um, as far as the young guys, you know, Lafreniere, Kako, uh, uh, some some of the young guys that they're saying move um, – First of all, it's not going to open up that much cash. They're not making that much. Um, right. But the more important thing to me is what are we looking at then in three years when, you know, Zabanajad and Kreider and maybe Panarin and maybe Trocek, you know, maybe they move those guys or those guys are even older. Are we looking at another, you know, non-playoff valley for a few years until those guys come off the books? Um, now, I know that the – supposedly in a couple of years, uh, you know, they'll be caught up and it'll start going up again. So maybe you can carry some of those guys. Um, but, I mean, you know what we saw with, you know, buying out Girardi and, buy, and uh, buying out uh, uh, some of the other guys where we, where we took that, that dead cap hit for so many years and we were just, oh, it, it, just if we didn't have that, we'd be okay. Um, so, I'm reluctant to move any of the young guys because I'm looking for the future. I mean, we've been talking about this for years now, that those guys are the future. Those guys are the, the ones that are going to be the leaders of this team to, to have a, an extended period of success. You start moving those guys, then what are we going to have in three years? We're going to have older veterans who can't play to their ability anymore, and we're going to have no youngsters to take their place. Um, so, I'm reluctant to move any of those guys. Um, you know, I mean, I'm seeing, you know, guys like Kako and, and Hedl and even Lafreniere, you know, when I said, you know, the kids that are still finding their way, I'm not sure we even still know what the final product is with those guys. Um, and, and I think the only way to find out is to try and give them a little more responsibility. I know, you know, that's like beating a dead horse. But, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, why can't Trocek and Kreider and VZ be the third line? And, you know, you want to put uh, Kreider on the power play as a specialist, fine. And, and move the kids uh-huh. up and have them be the second, time, the second line, more playing time, more power play time. Um, you know, and find out what we've got. 
Um, I'm not afraid of, you know, moving a guy, you know, the old Rick Middleton uh, mentality of, uh, uh, you know, geez, the guy went off and became a Hall of Famer. Um, that's fine. But to me, it's what you get back. And I don't know that they're going to get equal value in a player or in cap space if they start moving those guys. I know Drury's handcuffed, um, but, you know, the thing is, if they're going to start moving those guys, they better win a couple the next couple of years because there's going to be a, uh, there's going to be a period where this team is not going to be very good again. And uh, in, in that case, when Igor comes up, you're going to wonder if he wants to come back too. So there's a lot of balls to juggle, a lot of things to think about, and uh, uh, not much any of us can do except sit and wait and see what uh, the hierarchy, uh, you know, decides to do. Well, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Sure. Ask away. Glenn, in the current mm-hmm. role that the younger players currently exist right now, I right. feel like there is a I feel like there's a, a, a sort of a um diminishing return. Is there um is there potential capped in the positions that they are currently at right now? Because I feel like it's going to be very hard to have them move up based on the current hierarchy. And yet if they stay in the same position right now, where they're at right now, where they're, you know, 11, 12, 13, 14, you know, what you, we thought, we thought the playoff numbers were in certain situations. You're not really getting the optimum return on that. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying mm-hmm. to figure out what is the end game for those guys. Mm-hmm. Well, that's kind of what I am too. Uh, that's what I'm kind of thinking too, Carl. Um, you know, if they continue to be, you know, where they are, um, I don't know that you're dealing them from a position of strength. Um, you know, I think, uh, uh, yes, you can move them all up and they still kind of all fail and then you get nothing for them. Okay. I, I understand that. But, um, you know, I'm just wondering if, you know, you move Lafreniere, you, 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 you move another young guy. Uh, you know, there's been talk even about uh, Robertson coming in and taking Schneider's place. And I mean, I don't think they're creating enough of a cap space that you're going to get back either in in the money or the player um, the return that you would want to get. Um, they're dealing them from weakness right now. And uh, sure, you know, there's always you know Alan De- Alexander Daigs and Nail Yakupovs who you know just never turn the corner as, as number one picks, but um, I don't know. I mean, what's Lafreniere going to be making? Two, three, two something, three million maybe, something like that? What do you what do you yeah. get for that that's uh, equal value? That's all I'm wondering. Is it like a, a Tanner Janot or somebody like that? I mean, do you want to trade uh, Lafreniere's potential for Tanner Janot? Um, I, I, I mean, I, I would. I mean, so. yeah, they're trading. Lo- they'd be trading, trading low. But even on the team that they're even on the roster right now, they're not going to be maximized either. And so they're in this sort of weird in-between situation. And I'm not totally sure that's good for anybody, both the players and the roster and the money and all that. Yeah, but, but I Carl, think they're trading you, low. Don't you think it's a kid line between? Don't you think if the kid line became the second line and got more power play time and you put Trocek, Kreider, and VZ as a third line, I don't care what their salaries are. I mean, don't you think we at least maybe get a better idea of what the end product may be with these guys? It's possible, but I feel like those guys have to 
force the hand of everybody yes. upstairs. Because yeah, I three years in, I don't feel as if that has happened mm, between those guys. That that it's not like you know their potential is being restricted. I feel like a part of this has to be on them to say, "Hey, listen, I'm here. I'm bringing it every right. single night. You're gonna fucking put me in the in the top six because I'm not I'm good enough to not be on the third line now on a nightly basis." But they haven't push their way up there yet for whatever reason. Which I think, Philip, I, I think Philip Heedle has done that. I yeah. think Philip Heedle has, he has grown. He has put, he put the, the pressure on Gallant to, to get him more ice time the way he played, especially this season. You Over the last couple of seasons, you've absolutely seen out of all these guys that we're talking about, you've seen that growth out of Heedle. So I agree with Carl. I don't know if Lafreniere and Kako from where they came from and where they were drafted, you have to take advantage of the ice time you get, and you just don't see that with them. Yeah. Now, Kako's been here a little bit longer. He's always compared to Jack Hughes because he went number two, Hughes went number one. But there is a vast, vast difference in production from Jack Hughes to Kako. And Jack yeah, Hughes, I don't yeah. think, has the talent level around him. He has great players around him, don't get me wrong. But when you look at the you know guys on the team that he could – be playing with and that he has played with, I haven't seen that growth. And I also think, before I go to Steve, I also think the reason why we're talking about trading these particular players, uh, Kako, uh, Lafreniere, maybe a good draw, is because of the cap situation and these damn no-move contracts, which was going to lead me to ask Steve, with three years left on Panarin's contract at $11.6 million, and he's a 14% hit on our cap. Is after this season the time they go up to Panarin and, and talk about moving him? If they can find someone to take two more years no, yeah. on a 33-year-old at that point yeah. at $11 million. Well, well, yeah, the short answer is nobody's safe. I mean, everybody's expendable, tradable, however you want to look at it, to make the best roster moves for your team at that annual uh, salary. So the answer is, like, anybody's not safe. So absolutely the Rangers should look at the uh, options and situations on building a roster that gives you the best chance to win and and goes back to what Carl says as far as they're going to allocate their roster more evenly. They're going to take that step. Because I understand the Panera signing at the time. The Rangers were – Kind of mm-hmm. middle of the pack, and they needed a guy to really spark it, and Panarin at the time was that guy. But we've seen over the last couple of playoff seasons or playoff runs where you're saying, hey, you know, we're not really getting that kind of production postseason-wise at this uh, this uh, uh, this salary. So, yeah, no, no, anybody's tradable. So, absolutely, the Rangers should look at everything. So, yeah, that's my answer to that. Yeah, because when you look at the Rangers, one, two, three, four, let's just say the Rangers' top five salary guys. So it's Panarin, Zibanejad, Kreider, and then you go down to Fox and Truga. Panarin, Zibanejad, or Kreider are all north of 30 years old. They all have, at the bare minimum, three more years left on their contract. Kreider and Zibanejad have a lot more. If, if you don't try to move those guys, then that balance that Carl was talking about can't happen. Mm-hmm. Because 
you, you're kind of locked in on these huge salaries on these players who are on the other, not the other side of their career, but they are getting up there age-wise. How do you, if you trade Lafayette and Kako, and you're keeping these guys two years from now, they're 33 and 32 years old and 34 years old, making these big numbers, and is the window closing already on them mm-hmm. to win a cup? So I would sell high on you know right now. Say that again. I would sell uh, I high would on Mika right now, much like the Rangers did seven years ago when they sold high on Broussard to get Sabanajet here. Mm. He's making 8.5 for the next one, two, three, four, five, six more seasons. He'll be 36 when the contract expires at 8.5 million a year. So huge cap it. But then, like you said, if you're going to do it, you gotta you gotta sell when his value is really up there. But then you have to ask yourself, how does the fan base take it if you trade him to the body? That's that's a tough hit. Yeah, it, 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 it's a tough hit. You know, to make any of it, the the salary cap is so messed up because when he signed Panarin, what was it, two three years ago? Like you guys were saying, the Rangers were looking for that goal scorer, right? Three. We were done with community mm-hmm. scoring that we had to right, right. the season. And we wanted that pure goal scorer. And and you got him. I don't care if it's goals or assists. He gets the fuck in the net. But playoff-wise, his numbers suck. And I don't know if it's going to get better <laughs> with Laviolette. I hope it does. You know, I, I hope it does. That's the question. Maybe you don't you don't play him as much. And it's not a knock to him, just... And, and that's hard to justify. How do you not play your 11 million guy, million dollar guy a lot? I, I understand that that's the heat that Robbie Oleks going to have to handle. That he might have not had in his other teams. He's really big, high end, money making guys. It, 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 it's a no win situation for anyone that took the Rangers coaching job today. Whoever was going to get it, it really put them against the wall as soon as they signed the contract. And I don't know. Yeah. You know, if you would have put a, 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 a knob lock in, then you get a pass. You get you get a pass that, okay, he's not a veteran coach, and, and he's going to work with these guys and all. But now you bring a lobby of in, he's made the playoffs, I think, 13 times in his career. He's made the Stanley Cup final three times. He's normally able to push the buttons on his players. But this seems a little bit different. You know, uh, look at Kreider. We knew he wasn't going to have another 50-goal season, but he had a big drop off almost back to pre-private like coffee that we've always spoken about. I don't know how much a coach can get a player to put the puck in the net that's expected to put the puck in the net. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. There's only so much a coach can do to find the right line combinations. But at the end of the day, you've got to do your job. And this season, it didn't happen. They had a good regular season, not a great regular season. We all know that. A lot of but even though the Devils finish ahead of the Rangers, I personally thought they could have won that series. And I, I think in that series, he lost a lot because of the top guys wanted to do some and because the coach just failed. He just failed miserably to make an adjustment. Right. So, yeah, we're out of time, so uh, let's get to, to get yeah. the uh, final thoughts. 
Uh, so go ahead, give us go through the final thoughts. I'll, I'll I'll be real quick. So I think I misspoke. I said the next two Tuesdays. I think we'll be back on next Tuesday and not on next the following Tuesday. So no no no, I, I take that okay. back. Two weeks from now, we'll be back on in two weeks from now. Two weeks from uh, now. Forty five forty five. Yeah yeah. Forty five forty five format. And we'll get to the prospects for the NHL draft. More blue shirts on the first half, and then talk the rest of the teams. Uh, I really wanted to talk about what was going on with Ottawa, uh, the, the new ownership buying the. Um, uh, with the Ottawa Senators, uh, mm-hmm. so they could keep the team in Ottawa, build a new arena. Uh, Columbus is the only team that does not have a head coach. I'll just leave that as my final thought. So we'll probably pick up on that. Maybe by the time we come in, in two weeks, uh, they would have hired a head coach. They're the only team remaining right now at this at this moment without a head coach. Uh, Sandra wow. Sue, uh, who's who's next on the final thoughts? Hey, hey call. Go hit final thoughts really quick, guys. We've got about eight minutes. Yeah, I'll just close it out once again. Thank you, everybody. And uh, I don't know if this team would – I don't know if, if, if this team would do it, but I'm reading that Tom Wilson might be available in the trade market because he has one year left in his contract. I don't know if they would mm-hmm. trade him to the Rangers necessarily, but I would, if there is a way to make that work, I, I would explore that possibility. I know the fans may have an issue with that. <laughs> yeah, I think a couple <laughs> of Rangers would have an issue with that. <laughs> Maybe uh, a couple Scott, of players too. Me? Yeah. Scott, final thoughts, buddy. Ah, uh, final thoughts. Uh, I think we covered everything as far as the finals. Vegas uh, already up two nothing. I believe they got a shorty. So uh, my uh, not worst fears, clear. Obviously, uh, worst fears would be the uh, Islanders, the Devils winning the cup, but. Uh, Looks like Vegas, I think, uh, you know, Florida came back to 3-1 uh, against that mighty juggernaut Bruins team, but I just don't see them doing it this time. And um, not the 2 nothing in the first period is over, but uh, I think Stanley Cup's coming out tonight, boys. I hear you. Unfortunately. Glenn, what do you, have, what do you say? <laughs> yeah, no, uh, lastly, I mean, I just think it's going to come down with this team. I, I, I mean, I still think management is going to want to win now. I think they're still going to go for it. They did the last two deadlines. I think they're going to go for it. Um, the question is just going to be, was last season a fluke or was this season a fluke? And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they approach that in the coming weeks. And uh, I guess for my final thought, it's totally off hockey. I'm going to wish my daughter a good luck to leaving for Australia tomorrow to play some lacrosse for the next 10 days. I hope she has a blast. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be some good way to end out the college career. So good luck to her and the 60 girls representing all different colleges heading out to Australia. And uh, let's just hope Laviolette is the right the right move. Otherwise, Drury, you know, Drury might be on the on the chopping block soon. Here, he's got to got to find a coach that can get the job done that can be consistent and that wants to stay here because the Rangers have uh, way too many coaching changes for a New York Rangers hockey team. Quinn, Milan, now Laviolette. Uh, you, you have to find stability behind the bench. I mean, I think that's right. uh, one of the most important things. Like I can call the same with the with Denver's coach being in the organization. You, you have to have faith in your coach that he can get the job done. And sometimes that takes a little bit of time. And being in New York City, patience is not a virtue. But I, I think it's something we really have to look at. We need to find a coach that's going to be here a lot and develop players and that players know what's expected of them without this in and out of kind of crap that's going on. So uh, I really hope this is the right move, even though I wasn't thrilled with it. 
And, uh, you know, I look forward to free agency. All right, guys, in two weeks on the 27th, uh, Ring Podcast from Ranger Pro, right before the NHL draft in Tennessee. Uh, Sangre Azul, see you in two weeks, 45-45 format in two weeks. Take care, Sangre Azul. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it?